fans, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is a man I forgot to get a nickname for. <laughs> I wasn't completely prepared today, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Mr. Shaheen Ovandi! Was, that was that I'm, was I'm fired up, baby. Let's go. Top five best ones. That was pretty good. Thing, I'm a little bit a little bit of a shame that you're not a drinker, dude. <laughs> Just because of today's episode. <laughs> Today, uh, should we put a Surgeon General warning on this? Yeah. Listen, if you're operating a vehicle while listening to this podcast, just pull over. Yeah. Just pull just, over. Just count it and then go home and do the shots. You're gonna get crunk. Just count the numbers, go home, and then put it down. In fact, what I want. Is to see the picture of what you were drinking while listening to this. Mm, one. Yeah, there we go. We're going to be talking a lot of Ducati. Yep. Webraptalk at gmail.com. Send me the picture of what you're drinking. Mostly because I also want to have some drink ideas, but you know. Uh, <laughs> today's episode is brought to you by, oh my God, my liver. Uh, the second most valuable, valuable organ you can sell. Yeah. It's fine. You can, you can sell a little bit of your liver. You can give a little bit of your a little liver. A tiny bit. I got a, a little foie gras with that thing. I got a great liver. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, because you don't drink. I don't drink. Yeah. Kidneys, pretty fucked. Liver, pristine, pristine. Like, listen, if you go, if you die in your deathbed, your liver's in great shape. I just feel like, did you live? I became an organ donor because I know my liver is so good. That's all I'm Someone's saying. Someone's gonna want this. I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag, but I'm an organ donor. <laughs> Maybe you should be too. I am. Are you good for yeah, you? I am. Yeah, right on. Pass it. Pay, pay it forward. Yeah. I ain't gonna use it when I'm gone. You know, I don't know what they're gonna take from me. I am not exactly. Listen, I've been doing a lot of medical things lately, getting my teeth done. Notice that I have high blood pressure. Been going to the doctor for that shit. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey in the forty two year old life of Shaheen Alvandi. I got thirty thousand dollars shoulder. That's got to be worth something to it's somebody. It's got to be something. You know, absolutely. Even if the used market's like a fifty percent hit, that's still fifteen grand. I think your body is going to be used in a study of to just, show people how to do shoulders or how not to do shoulders. Yeah. That'd probably be it. You're going to help teach the next generation of uh, orthopedic surgeons. Nice. I just want like, because you just know like it's going to be like some first year, you know, resident surgery, medical student person. They're oh, going to yeah. be, they're going to be cutting. They're just going to hack away at me because they're not going to yeah. know what they're doing. But I just want them to look down and be like, damn. You got to see if you can have a surgeon next time insert a hidden message for the next person. Ooh, my guy would do it. Yeah. He's he's got a good sense. Just of humor. like have him draw a dick on your yeah. on the plate that's yeah. on your shoulder. Just yeah. Next okay. time you get an X-ray, is that a dick pic? The fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, You're it welcome. Is. It's how I roll. <laughs> Safety third, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All the X-ray techs get a kick out of me. Hell yeah, BFF Jensen Beeler here. <clears throat> um, what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> I guess motorcycle. That's you know, my favorite thing. Every time I go home after doing this, Ann says. What did you guys talk about? What did you guys and talk I just about? Look at her and go motorcycles. What do you think? What do you think, Dan? <laughs> we talked about uh, shoots and ladders. Played shoots and ladders for two hours on the podcast. It was riveting. It was it was a riveting episode where our listeners—I almost call them our clients, our end users, our friends, our friends. Yeah, friends. It's like a from many places. 
I, I, I had the fireplace on today. We can't because I have to put a blanket in front of it when we record. <laughs> but I've had the fireplace on to dry out my boots. But we, it's almost like a fireside chat that we <laughs> just is. have with our friends. But right now, the way we have it set up, okay, people can't see, but we're in your living room and we cover pretty much all the walls with we cover everything. sheets and everything so yeah. that we can contain the, the lustrous, beautiful voices that we I have I want to brag. Our podcast sounds fucking good. Okay, and it it's because everything is covered in blankets. Everything's covered in blankets. <laughs> literally everything. But what I like is that the blanket that's covering the fireplace right now is covering what looks like the wicked oh, which yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally does. Like, it looks like the thing just landed on Where my Where the boots. fuck is Dorothy at, man? Because the, the... Is she the wick, wicked witch of the East or the West? East. Because she's I'm trying melting, to find the work wicked wicked, 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 wow. Wicked, 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 Remix. Wicked West. Why don't we talk about a cute little book first? Oh, that's right. So um, my good friend and colleague, Rennie Skaysbrook. Can I be friends with him too? You can be friends with him too. Sweet. So apologies, apologies. That's apologies. our friend now. Yeah. We should, we, I'd say we could call him, but he's, he's, in, he's Australia. in Australia. Although what time's in Australia? He got booted the fuck out of the country because of immigration. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Oh, dang. His visa expired and like his appeal like didn't go through in time. And he had to like, he and his wife and his kid literally had 24 hours to get out of the country before they were going to be illegal. Stop it. So they did that. It, it's two o'clock there. We can call him. Let's fucking call him. Right. Has he got what? an iPhone? We can just, we can FaceTime audio. Yeah, just it. call him. Renee. So. I mean, we're going to talk about his book. He might as well, yeah, uh, he the, might as well tell us about the lead it. Up is Renee wrote a book for kids. It's pretty awesome. What is it called? Uh, the big, oh fuck, what's it called? It's like the big book of motorbikes or something. That sounds right. That sounds right. Big book of motorbikes. Um, <laughs> we should have done our homework. One of my, yeah, this is I only bought a case of these from him. Yeah. Um, he, uh, they're available at motorcourse.com. Thank you. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> but, uh, good eye, mate. Yeah, it's good. I got one of my photos is in there. <gasps> you did. Um, Shalina's in it. Shalina's in it. A bunch of people are in it. A bunch of industry people are in industry. People are in it. He's probably asleep. It's like two o'clock there. He's probably in the asleep. morning or in the afternoon. In the afternoon. Oh, come on, wake up, bro. Yeah, it's probably Although just, it is summer there, so he's probably like probably boxing a kangaroo or something. Those are terrifying animals. Yeah, truthfully, Rennie probably doesn't know how to use his phone. So that's my fun Rennie, Rennie stories. I thought Rennie was British for a really long time and just uh -huh. had a speech impediment. <laughs> Turns out he's Australian. Who knew? Are you saying Australian accent sounds like English accent with a speech impediment? I'm just saying I thought he was British. Hmm. Let's just leave it at that. Potato, potato. Well, you know what? The big book of motorbikes is actually kind of a great little stocking stuffer for this time of year, I think. It's very colorful. It's very cute. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. I'm, I'm a kids. big fan. So I had, when I'd gone to LA, I was visiting our mutual friend Heath at Alpine Star, and he had one sitting on his, like he had just, his just arrived in the mail when I got there. So he opened it. I'm like, I fucking want this. And then I promptly reached out to uh, Mr. Skaysburg and was like, yo, give me like, a bunch of these for the store so we have them now and they're really cute i'm super stoked on it they're perfect for kids like perfect early, for adults early readers i'd say yeah it's kind of geared towards like i don't know which is the average motorcyclist really we're all early eight. readers yeah but like perfect little stocking stuffer i'm calling him again I, he's not picking up all right ready you missed your chance. That's fine. You missed your chance to be on the podcast. We're going to do a terrible job of... Um, uh, but you can find it on Amazon. You can get a Kindle version. You can get a paperback version. Uh, it's, it's not expensive. It's like it's 15 not. bucks or something, 20 bucks. I don't know. 17.95, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, on Amazon, 17.95. I've, um, I've got a case of them at the shop, so if you're local, come to Motocourse and grab one. Boom. 
Hell yeah. Rennie was supposed to autograph mine and didn't. So now we're fighting, but yeah, that's okay. That. Mine aren't either. All right. I was going to say I know where he lives, but now he's in Australia. No, you don't. Yep. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a gift for that wee one in your life that has got a two wheel fixation, check it out on amazon.com. The big book of motorbikes. The big book of motorbikes by, it says, I think it's by Mr. Rennie Skaysbrook. Mr. Yeah. Just in case like anyone thought maybe it was a Mrs. Rennie Skaysbrook. Well, you know. People might think it's Renee, but it's spelled it's like... No, it's not. No. no. There's a lot of... There's like two N's an, and two E's. No, there's two N's and an I-E. Oh, it's not two E's? No. Shows you how much I know. Yeah. What are you doing over there? I don't know. Just, what are you doing over there? Reading the news on asphaltandrubber.com pro. Click, click the ads. Oh, you're a pro. You don't have to click I the am ads. pro. That's why I, I am pro, so I don't have to click on the stupid ads. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to on two wheels, sir? Um, not a whole lot short of doing, you know, little projects at the shop. We're trying to figure out what to do for the upcoming one show. I kind of want to do a really neat build. I don't want to necessarily talk about it yet, but I've got a couple of ideas in mind. Um, I may have put money on a certain new model that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Is this a model? I think this model we're going to talk about today. Probably. What is it? Desert X? Desert X. Mm -hmm. The dessert. It's sweet like candy. Um... Also, I think I'm going to make good on my shit talking and buy a Street Fighter soon. Really? Yeah. Hashtag Team Ann's on, I mean, like hardcore on board. In fact, last night she's like, when are you getting this thing? I'm like, wow, okay. I want to revisit this conversation in like an hour. Okay. Because I want to talk Street Fighter V4 versus okay. Pike's Peak V4. Ooh, I know. And this is why I'm glad we're going to have this conversation. Okay. okay. Because I, I, it's hard for me to imagine a world where i don't, I don't know have what this motion is, by the way I don't, What's know, that? I don't know what this is i don't know what i was doing it's like i don't a, know, i like it though it's like a little bunny rabbit you're like hopping a, through the forest little we gotta do a video podcast this little is, this ducati fufu hopping around the forest <laughs> um <laughs> okay i heard something today that made me laugh really hard and it's gonna make your eyes roll but i gotta ask you these questions oh, you probably already know this one all right well <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, now you gotta say right. it what uh why would an elephant paint its balls red? Okay. Um, well, I was out riding the Panigale V4. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> and everyone that sends you dad jokes, I hate you too. I mean, you should answer the question. I don't know. I don't know, man. Why Why the elephant paint its balls red? So that it could hide in the cherry tree. That obviously makes sense to somebody. But have you ever seen an elephant hide in a cherry tree? No. That's because they're really fucking good at it. Yeah. I can't I can't not laugh at these stupid fucking jokes. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll go to the end of it. Uh what is a giraffe's favorite fruit? Kiwis. I don't no, know. Cherries. What is the loudest noise in the jungle? The elephant when the giraffe eats its cherries. Yeah, you didn't know the joke. I'm happy. All right, move on. What have you been doing on two wheels, Jensen? <sighs> Regretting having to record this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Teach you a lesson. Uh, I recently played a fun game of Fuck You, Jake. What is a Fuck You, Jake? <laughs> fuck You, Jake is a game you play when you are on a press launch and Jake Zemke is leading <laughs> the, the ride and he takes you into the mountains <clears throat> where it gets below freezing and it's raining like sideways and there's 50 mile an hour winds. And all your gear is completely soaked, even though it's waterproof, because there's you're just underwater. I, I think water's coming upwards and at this you're point. You're just surviving at that point, and it's like three hours long, 
And the only way you can stay mentally awake is to constantly say in your head, fuck you, Jake, fuck you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry to say this. Uh, you're a dear friend of mine. I love you so much. But I laughed out loud when I saw the picture in Palm Springs of rain. Oh, man. I was like, the day somebody goes to Palm Springs, never mind for a press launch, but especially for a press launch of a high-performance motorcycle, to be in the desert and enjoy the perfect weather and get fucking doused. I think it was the second day of rain they've had all year. And it was just on our day. We were the first wave of five or four or yeah, whatever it's been it was. going on for a while. They're just doing the last one right now. Um, and so we got totally hosed. Um, I'm going to get to ride the bike again uh, during the Christmas break. So Good. I'll be able to give a better perception of it then. I guess we're kind of Tarantinian, 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 Tarantinoing these bikes. So that's fine. Um, but um, so, yeah, it's kind of like I really wanted to come here and be like, Shaheen, let me tell you everything about the Pikes Peak. And I'm kind of like <laughs> you were we, in survival mode, man. We got like. 30 minutes of dry weather and then like another hour of it just kind of like spitting rain while we did photos, which made for some pretty interesting yeah, photos. Probably. Like tons very of rainbows. Moody, very moody. Yeah, it was nice. So I kind of got to like whip the bike around, but not really because you're doing photos and like you're just not paying attention to the bike as much as you are like where the photographers are and trying to look good for the camera and all that jazz. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you want to know? What's what's the jam? So I think the the biggest question a lot of my customers have mm -hmm. is is it worth the extra money to buy this thing? No. Why? It was never going to be though. I mean, it's a thirty thousand dollar motorcycle. Twenty eight. No, it's twenty eight nine nine five. Right in the American world, that's twenty eight. Okay, that's how gas prices <laughs> American, work, Jensen. Three dollars and thirty nine cents and not point nine. Jensen's world, that's thirty. <laughs> we round up in Jensen's world. <laughs> Uh, by the time you buy bags, by the time you pay the freight, and well, the that's tax. And that's always been my beef with the, the Pikes Peak. Is yeah. when you buy a Pikes Peak, you're paying for the performance, not the touring. Yeah. And if you want anything touring related, anything touring related, you have to pay extra for that. Let's be. Let's just call a spade a spade. Okay. This bike prints money for Ducati. I have to imagine one in four Multistratas are Pike are Pikes Peaks sold. Uh -huh. One in, one in four sold. So they're selling a lot of them. And when you look at it, like this bike in particular, okay, it's got forged wheels. It's got a longer swing arm. It's got rear sets that are in a different position. It's got a slip-on exhaust from a Kropovich that's road homologated. It's got a unique paint job. Some carbon. Some carbon bits here and there. So the carbon bits do cost more than the plastic they're replacing. But yeah. everything else I just mentioned, except for maybe the wheels. Wheels? Suspension? Well, like I'm like comparing it to an S, the suspension is the same. Wait, no, Multistrada. No, because I thought the Pikes Peak have the Olins and the S has got the Skyhook. Oh, you know what? You might be right. Yeah, you might be right. So I, I do wonder what the delta between I those have to is. do look that up. Marginal. Yeah, marginal. You know, I, I mean, I'll give it to you. Like maybe there is a delta there, but it's kind yeah. of marginal. So you sit there and like like the exhaust. That's pretty much going to cost the same. In fact, yeah. I think a Kropovich might even make. It's a homologated uh, exhaust. That, that's like the first anyways. thing that comes off anyways. Um, well, you know, I mean, like, that's one of the things you're paying for. Yeah. Um, the wheels are slightly more expensive than, like, say, a cast wheel. But the rear set's going to cost the same. Yeah. The paint job's going to cost the same. So it's like, yeah, is it worth the whatever amount of money more it is? I think it's like $3,000, $4,000. Eh, no, not real. I mean, 
in the sense of like if you were trying to take a multi-strata S and turn it into a Pike's Peak, I think there's some value there. But like for Ducati, it's just pure butter. You yeah. know, they it costs them just as much to make the spike as it does to make the bike that's four thousand dollars cheaper. So there's that four thousand dollar just sweet spot of money that they're making. Now, of course, the big thing here is the 17-inch front wheel, which does some interesting things when the rest of the lineup is on a 19-inch front wheel, Mm -hmm. the biggest of which is it gives you sportier rubber. Is there a big difference between riding the sportiness, let's say, of the 17-inch versus the 19? Like, yeah, it's noticeable. I I definitely got, I felt like better feedback from the front end. It felt more confident. Less vague feeling. Less vague. But, like, I didn't really have big complaints about the 19. I was actually pretty impressed with the 19. So, like, is it really going to change the price of bread for someone? Probably not. The thing that really is going to make a difference, though, is if you want to take this bike on the track. Because you're not going to take a Multistrada V4S on the track with the tire choices that are available for those wheels. Right. Uh, that 19-inch front wheel at best will wear a sport touring tire yeah on. you're gonna put like a pirelli angel gt right. or or comparable tire on there um whereas with the pike's peak you could put slicks on it if you wanted to which is pretty rad it's pretty rad i used to do that on my old pike's peak so that was one of the things i was a little a little upset that we didn't get to do because ducati went out of their way to have this bike have a race mode and did a lot of trouble to set up the electronics for kind of like a track use Mm -hmm. and we didn't get to explore that not only not on the street but we didn't get to even take there wasn't even the option of going onto the racetrack and seeing if the suspension and the rear set changes mean you know better lean angle than before or how it handles as a track bike and all that jazz so that's the big question mark for me because that's i feel how ducati has position this bike more is to be more sporty more racetrack friendly than the other models mm-hmm. and i don't know if they were successful in that or not without you know that, that hard to tell because you didn't actually get to test it we didn't get to test it and it wasn't even a part of what our plan test was going to be so disappointed there to not have that answer but the bike's rad you know like i think you and i have both had a very soft spot in our hearts for the pike speak from the beginning of pike yeah. speak lineage on the on the ducati lineup and i think that part of it is probably part of the you know the selling and buying appeal of that bike there's an excitement in having this adventure touring bike that can dice it with the best of them um, especially in somewhat capable hands yeah i i always have a soft spot for this bike i i like the sportiness of it i think it always looks good this is actually probably the one I like the least in terms of aesthetics. Really? Paint doesn't really do anything for me. Mm. Whereas like, I think the schemes in the past have looked better. And, um, it's interesting. Like they have, I don't know if it's a number, but it looks like a number one. I am excited for you to go back to California in a week and spend some real time with this thing. Yeah. I'm looking forward to flogging it. There's, there's good vibes from it. Like the only thing that I say good vibes, my biggest probably criticism of it is there is a bit of vibration in the handlebars and the foot pegs. Really? Like this isn't a touring bike in a way. Like that was, that's the thing that's so interesting to me about this. Ducati really pushed this. I feel towards the sporty side. Like you want a touring bike, Get you're, buying them, you're buying them V4S. Mm-hmm. You want like a sporty like track day, do everything, pick up the groceries, have fun around town, quick little trip for like an hour. That's what this bike was made mm-hmm. for. And that's interesting to me because it's still a multi-strata. And that's where like, 
it's like this weird intersection. I even asked this with like the Ducati guys, like, you know, who's, who's buying this bike and who does, and what does this bike compete against? Cause for me, it really feels like it just cannibalizes other Ducati sales, which for $30,000, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. You know, like that's the perfect, that's the perfect situation for Ducati. But like, it's not, I mean, a BMW S1000XR is 10 grand cheaper. Yep. And arguably not as fun. Like, I don't know if necessarily, like, like the use cases is kind of similar, but I don't know if those are the same buyers. And I look at like the KTM Super Duke GT, which isn't coming to America, but I'm like, that's kind of similar-ish. That's still more affordable. Different. It's got more power. It's way lighter. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more sporty, but it's also less toury. It doesn't have as much protection and, and stuff. This is like this ultimate sp- like grand sport motorcycle where you can ride it from here to whatever long distance destination you want it to have because you can put on those 17 inch wheels you can put sport touring tires but you can slap some super sticky tires on there and go and spank on your favorite you know curvy road or your track day if you want to as well but it's interesting right because in the ducati lineup you have the multistrada v4s then you have the street fighter v4 and then this thing kind of fits in the middle but it's more money than both yeah it's kind of in the middle and but it's more money than both so here's here's my biggest complaint if you're a multistrata person and you're you've come up through the ranks of the 1100 the 1200 the Mm -hmm. 1260 all of which had 17 inch wheels and you're like that's my jam ducati kind of helped kick off the whole what i call adventure sport Mm -hmm. segment with that if that's your bread and butter your only avenue now with Ducati is a $30,000 bike. There is no $20,000 something. That's going to better compete with the BMW. That's mm-hmm. going to better compete with the Super Duke GT. That's going to be like a Street Fighter, but with bags. And that kind of sucks. Yeah, it's interesting that they did this. It, 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 would, it feels like a low-hanging fruit for Ducati because there are a lot of multi-strata buyers out there who scuffed at the idea of this 19-inch front wheel and the dual-sided swing arm and they kept saying they wanted a 17-inch wheel and Mm -hmm. single-sided swing arm ducati said cool if we're going to do this thing i mean this is what i imagine the conversation looked like if we're going to build it let's make it a multi-strata pike's peak yeah let's make it a premium product and charge people an arm and a leg for it and it still sells i mean it makes sense like like i kind of see what they're doing it kind of makes sense i like that the pike's peak is a sportier racier version of the multi-strata that totally makes sense i just what would make me, I was going to say happy, what would ease my pains here is if you said, yeah, we're coming out with a hard bag option mm-hmm. for the Street Fighter V4, and it's got like a beefier subframe so you can put a top box and side panniers on it and a wider seat for the, for the passenger. I mean, yeah. Like, you, and you, like, like, a, like a Street Fighter GT. Yeah, and we've been talking about yeah. this idea of the Street Fighter GT for yeah. a long time. Because that would that would probably balance it all out for me. It would, but I guess the trade off here is that for the additional, let's say, <laughs> two thousand dollars over a Street Fighter V4s, you get better wind protection. Yeah, you know what though? Like, I only complain about wind protection on the track. Like, I don't like. I, don't, I have a Street Fighter. I love naked bikes. I've done highway miles and that thing. It does not bother me. No. In fact. I have bigger issues with full fairing bikes 
with wind buffeting with wind buffeting. yeah like i don't mind my head being out in the 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 wind by itself it's when like the windscreen or the fairing does it so like my head's just kind of constantly getting yeah like at track speeds you notice it at highway speeds bmw r18 transcontinental r18 bagger those guys that windscreen sucks (laughs) you know all it does is just push the airflow they were concentrating on the dashboard for you okay yeah they wanted the screen on that to be nice that screen's pretty big i don't hate it um so yeah i mean like yeah i mean that doesn't change the price so for me. your name is cheyenne alvandy and you're about to make a choice on buying a v4s street fighter because so you've been wanting tough. a street fighter for yeah. umpteen years now yeah and this new pike speed comes out with a somewhat fire breathy v4 but it's still the gran turismo motor um like the thought has crossed my mind twice now do i go for another multistrada in my life because i've had one for the better part of 10 years now and this one really i mean like i my pike speak my 2013 pike speak is probably to date still my favorite bike i've ever owned what are you going to use this bike for are you going to go on trips on this bike are you going to go out to the coast you can put ann on the back and, and go for a ride with her sure yes absolutely but and this is the big but the bike that got me the most excited this year is the one that i put money on right this we're is, getting, the, we're is the desert x we're but, gonna get to this one that, that i mean so that's if why that bike didn't exist i wouldn't even be looking at the pike speed because i already have a multi-strata v4s that does the thing really really well i've ridden it aggressively in the in the mountain roads and kept up if not beat up on sport bikes with it so it's like eh. i think the pike's mm-hmm. peak is a better one bike option you think so? I think if you're a multi-bike rider, then you start looking at like like the Street Fighter and a Desert X. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Or a Street Fighter and a multi-V4S or, or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's my thing. I think because I know I'm going to get a Desert X, I am personally more into the idea of getting a Street Fighter because then I would have sort of the best of both worlds. Yeah, I would have an adventure touring motorcycle that can go off-road and get beat up on or have Team Man on the back and go to the coast and have fun together. Or I can have my Street Fighter and just go be an idiot by myself. Yeah. You know, on a fun day. Yeah, no, I think that's where it's at. I think so too. I think, um, oddly enough, I think the Pike Speak's a better track bike. It is because of the wind protection. Because of the, the track wind protection is going to make sense. Like, naked bikes, and granted, like this is like kind of like it depends on what your racetrack is. Because at like, let's say if I was going to the ridge a lot, I probably wouldn't mind the Street Fighter too yeah. much. But here at PIR, I got two straightaways where I'm oh, yeah. like over a buck thirty all day. It's just gonna wear me out. Let me ask you this: did, I mean, I don't think you got to really try it out, but did Ducati bring a standard V4S and no, this thing? Almost never does that happen. God dang it! I wish, like, for for the sake of a journalist, I wish you had that immediate comparison to say, "Hey, these are the differences." I do think there was one there, but it wasn't like we could hop on it. That huh. was like a backup. So the bike. question that I have is: yeah. Do you think that the the gear ratios are the same on this as the other one? Off the top of my head, I want to say the gear ratios are the same. I haven't double checked that. Well, I only ask that because I'm wondering, like on a track day, like we've seen our Street Fighter at PIR touch up indicated 170 plus miles an hour. I believe it. But like on my Multistrada V4S, I've kicked its ass in six gear in like 150 ish. I mean, they're geared differently. They make the power differently. Yeah. Um, for that motor, I mean, there is a pretty distinct difference between the Gran Turismo V4 motor and the Desmo Stradale V4 mm-hmm. that's in the Street Fighter. There, there's some pretty serious differences there. Oh, I there. can only imagine. Um, so, um, that doesn't surprise me at all that they would make their their 
power differently and their speeds would be different and their gearing is obviously going to be different. Um, I agree with you. If you're going to have a bike and you're more of an on-road person who wants to kind of do everything, this is a phenomenal motorcycle. It's a lot of money, but I imagine you're coming at it from a different perspective than someone that's looking at a, I don't know, the, the new Suzuki GT1000 or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's a lot of money. There's there's a lot of meat on the bone there for that money. I think Ducati, you know, I've, I said it before, they have some of the best switch gear in the in the industry. They have a gr- beautiful dash. The user interface is really smart. There's a lot of things here to like. Um, some of that's got to be worth the price tag. Right. You know, if you're looking at this, if it's like, I'm going to get a V4S or Pikes Peak, it's like $3,200 Delta. Like, well, you know, not a bad idea. No. If you want a super special bike, go for it. But if you're going to be, you know, comparing dollars here, you're getting way more, technically a lot more motorcycle than a V4S. I mean, great example. I was thinking about this when I came home um, from the, the press launch. I decided that riding once in the freezing rain wasn't enough <laughs> and decided to do it again on the way home from the airport. Man, you had some weather I texted you before you even came home. I didn't even get in my motorcycle gear. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. It's like a 10-minute ride. I've already <laughs> suffered five hours of fuck you, Jake. Did you I just ride do. home in your slip? I rode home my jeans. Oh, God. My my down jacket oh, and then my, my lightweight rain jacket that I wore. Fuck that. On the way there. And Man, like, all the gear all the time. Jensen, you're an influencer. There's a motorcycle jacket. They're jeans. I had boots on. Like, I mean, mm, I, guess. I was probably, I would say, like the bare minimum of protection yeah. that Jensen recommends. <laughs> Just uh, disgruntled and cursing stud Jake on the way here. Yeah, I was like, fuck you, Jake. I'm geek. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's a really good guy. A lot. We had a lot of fun, but um, I was not a huge fan of that day. That's amazing. Uh, and he wasn't having a good time either. It's not, none of us were having a good time. We were all just sitting there going like, we are, if I was by myself, I would have turned around an hour ago. <laughs> That's amazing. But, um, yeah, so I was, I was riding home on the Africa Twin. And I was sitting there going like, you could literally buy, literally buy two Africa Twins for one Multistrada. Yeah. And it's got a lot of the same shit, you know? It's got the semi-active suspension. It's got the cool, you know... Uh, I mean, DCT you can buy five Toyota Camry fully loaded ones for the price of a Mercedes S-Class as well, but it's just not how it works. I think the difference there, though, is if you could quantify like the maximum amount of fun that you can have, and that's 100, uh-huh. and like a zero is root canal at the dentist. <laughs> Fuck. You know, a motorcycle, like a like hundred would be like skydiving through cotton candy, <laughs> high-fiving unicorns <laughs> while you're like on the unlimited plan of Pornhub hanging out with like Michael Jordan or something. I don't know. I don't know what that. There's a lot going on. That, that's a lot. I don't know if that's really that great. Just a, that's just a bonerific uh, yeah. skydive. You know what I'm saying? Like some just like ridiculously hedonistic once in a lifetime opportunities <laughs> that like just blows your mind. That's the 100, right? Okay. Riding a motorcycle, just any motorcycle, just the general yeah. two-wheeled experience yep. is like uh, an 85. I agree. Okay. It could be just, a Grum. It could be a Multistrada Pikes Peak. Just to throw a number out there. Yep. Riding, and let's say like riding that Africa Twin, that's a 90 because it's a pretty damn good bike. Yep. 
Brian the Pike's Peak is like a 92, 91. Hey man, sometimes that extra point and, costs and that fifteen fighter, extra grand. <laughs> yeah, and even like riding that street fighter on the track when you're like hating life because of the wind, that's like an eighty nine. You know, like the the delta of like riding a motorcycle is probably like a five unit spread. <laughs> I think I've kind of There's a lot of up. money in those five units. Yeah, and that's the thing. So it's like so like we're, we're in Bitcoin territory now, man. <laughs> but that's the that's the thing. Like though, you see like oh Corolla versus a Mercedes. Like well. You get a lot more between a Mercedes and a Corolla. I, I drove a, a Mercedes rental car yeah, when I was in Corolla, Spain. A Camry. A Camry. Whatever. Fully loaded one. Same same shit. No, but that's the point, Jensen. If we're talking about just raw materials, it's a car with power windows and power locks and power Fair. seats and Fair. heated and cooled seats and all that bullshit, just like a Mercedes. Okay. But a fully loaded Camry XSC V6 probably costs like 40-something thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. But like it's... Never mind. Let's go to E-Class, which is about the same size as that car. A fully loaded AMG 63S Mercedes is like 120 grand. Now, is it faster? Fuck yeah. Does it sound better? Fuck yeah. Does it make you feel special when you're on it? Fuck yeah. But like on the grand scheme of things of like just the basic car to car, like I'm just a dude that's buying a car to get me from point A to point B. Didn't need one? No. See, but in your analysis that you just did there that isn't the same delta between like an africa twin and a pike's peak that's, that's the problem though in the motorcycle world like you said that delta is only five points the delta you just described is like the the riding experience difference between a honda grom and a ducati super legera <laughs> fair fair you enough. know like where it's like yeah you're gonna have fun on the grom but you're not gonna have like super legera fun on the grom whereas like on the africa twin i'm getting pretty close to pike's peak fun not that's- there but i'm pretty close and that's i think the the value buyer, you know, to go back an right. episode in me, it goes like, well, I know, but well. like, it's hard for me to believe you because you're talking about a 110 horsepower parallel twin versus a 170 horsepower V4 motorcycle. Yeah. Like to me, it's like, holy fuck, this is a fire breather versus this like very tame, although amazingly capable motorcycle. It's how they make the power though. It's, I mean, like, I'm not going to deny the Pike's peak is like, it's like a little rocket ship. It definitely outperforms the Africa twin. But in terms of like twisting the throttle and how big my, my grin gets. Right. In the real world, especially. Pretty similar. Yeah. You know? And That's it, saying a lot for that bike. I think you just sold a bunch of Africa Twins. <laughs> I mean, I like that Africa Twin. Uh, I like that Pike's Peak. I think, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be those two bikes. I think you can say that about a lot of bikes. You know, like, you know, you and I. You and I are, said it. My favorite motorcycle is the one I have right now. Yeah. It could be a GSX 500. I don't give a fuck. I'm having fun on it. We are very lucky in the sense of like, we get on the podcast and like, I, I'm very aware of the fact like I, I talk shit about some bikes. Right. And like I have list. we have listeners who have these bikes and I say like, that bike's, that's the worst fucking bike. And they're like, oh man. Perspective's a thing, isn't it? But like at the end of the day, like the worst bike you've ever ridden is like a B minus. Yeah. You know, like the right. worst bike, like the 2009 Zero <laughs> S that like broke down on the side of the road. You still had a good time. Like was just an absolute piece of garbage. It was still a B minus yep. in terms of just general funness. Right. So it's like. That's the I think that's my favorite thing about motorcycles. Yeah. It's, is that you can go out and buy a nine thousand dollar bike and probably have the same level of fun that the dude that just bought that v4 pike speak had yeah right it's it's and you're right i think that spread is so small in the fun meter that it makes it hard to go why'd you just buy a thirty thousand dollar bike 
at this point now it's just a matter of i've made it i want to show off i want to buy the sure. next great thing and right? there, there's a huge part of the ducati owning experience is just like oh I yeah i can afford this that's i mean that's a premium brand thing for any premium brand out there and Would i think you, i like the fact that ducati put the electronic suspension on it i like that they have the olens on it it's got the right bits i think there's there's some me in the bones that are like uh what bike was i giving them a hard time about panigale v2 street fighter v2 yep those don't feel as premium in the sector that they're in for the price that they're commanding whereas like pike speak it's like well nothing really competes against it and it does have a lot of like premium features now when you're freezing your ass off in the mountains <laughs> above palm springs you start wondering why the thirty thousand dollar motorcycle doesn't have the heated grips installed right or the heated seat installed and why those are extras because that's a touring kit sir or the a touring, travel kit whatever they the call touring it. kit is like the touring kit's actually pretty good value it is. Start, when you sit down, look at what it yeah. is. Um, I'll give a, I'll give a plug for that. We looked at that later, <laughs> but I just remember like being. We were at the. We stopped at this Shell station in uh, what is it, Idlewood, Idlewild, whatever that city's called. Mm. And it's just deluging, and it's like That's thirty crazy. degrees, and we're all fucking soaked, and we're just kind of like, what are we doing here? God damn it, Jake. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Jake. <laughs> and um. I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. We're sitting there going like, another press guy comes out and he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm like, yeah. So how much is this bike again? Is it 29? That's 29 grand. Why doesn't it have heated grips? Like I keep hitting the button for the heated grips and nothing happens. Nothing's happening. You're like, I feel like that should be something that's included. Just giving them shit. But um, I think Ducati does. They put some meat on the bones for your price. There's a premium look and feel to it. There's there's a little bit of brand prestige. Like I get it. I'm not going to hate. I get it. I got a Ducati in my garage and bought it for those exact same reasons. I get it. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat them up too much. I think they've done a good job with, with putting meat on the bones for the V4 models. It's the V2 models. I have some issues with, and that's maybe a good segue into the Panigale V4, unless you have like a, a thing. No. Okay. Cause that's, that's the next trip I did was, uh, we flew out to Spain to ride the Panigale V4 you guys got to have all the weather like you literally got to start in the rain and it got to sunny of course it rains when we're in spain uh yeah we had a morning of of wet sessions or as i like to call it jensen's ptsd because <laughs> like the last time i was on but i mean they rains, put you guys on like proper sky. rain tires i was on proper rain tires when i slingshotted myself ah, to the moon enough. too it was on the exact same tire <laughs> fucking pirelli rain um probably helps when you have pirelli technicians set it up for you though um so yeah, it rained in the morning. We had two wet sessions at Harath. Then we had a break for lunch and we had four fairly dry sessions, you know, getting drier throughout the day. Yeah. But you know, our, our first session was still pretty good. We were on slicks. It was definitely slicks weather. Um, it's cool though. You guys got to try every riding mode basically. Basically. Yeah. And there's a lot to try. Like that's, you know, there's a lot of different modes and different setups on the Panigale V4S more so than on the multi-strata v4 so there's a lot of things to do there um man there's just so much to cover with that bike it's interesting that you say that that there's so much to cover on it because on the surface it looks like they just kind of tweaked a couple of things yeah like the wings look a little different and there's more vents in the fairing gills (laughs) and then that's really it that's all i can see that's true and the seat's got a little bit of red on it and seat's got a little bit of red um and that's 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 fair. It's definitely an update. It's definitely uh, evolution over revolution. But, you know, here's my thing, right? 
all the super bikes are really good. Yeah. And riding a 200 plus horsepower super bike, like it's, it doesn't matter which one. It's a workout. Yeah. Uh, that's a really hard thing. It so looks super physical. Like the trick now, like, I don't even know if like, like, I feel like we've hit like this, this term of peak super bike. Because yeah, where do you like, go from here? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if I really care on the spec sheet. Like, cause I've ridden a super Leger V4 and that's 230 horsepower V4R similar horsepower. Right. And like, I, I couldn't really tell you like, yeah, that bike feels a lot faster than the 208 horsepower, 210 horsepower, you know, normal model versus like the model three years ago. That was only 198 horsepower. <laughs> like, like there isn't really like, you don't really feel like, oh yeah, this one definitely has 10% more power. I can feel, I can feel it. It's just like, no, I'm just hanging on for dear life. I'm, every time I twist the throttle, the fucking front wheel comes up. I'm yep. just hanging on for dear life. I am a, I am a passenger on where this motorcycle getting decides my core to go. Work out here. Yeah, I'm just getting. I'm like, just like come in huffing and puffing. <laughs> and I really do think the new thing now is figuring out how a rider can maximize that potential. Yeah, it's like power management now. Yeah, the bike is superseded or super super surpassed what the typical rider is capable of doing. So now it's all about helping the rider get closer to what the bike is capable of, of giving. And I feel like in, in, in that case, I am the perfect test rider. Okay. I am out of shape. I haven't been on the track for basically the entire year. Um, haven't been able to work out in like six months. I, I am just shapes over here. You know, just <laughs> I just like that. You're like this guy. Yep, that super bike. Let's see what happens. Yeah, you know, and like Ducati's whole thing was like, you know, we're trying to make this this easier to ride. We've done, we've changed the seat shape and the tank shape and this and the bars and da 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 da. Tons of little changes to make it easier to ride the bike. And I can't sit here and tell you like, oh yeah, that tank shape helped me do this or that seat did that. But the test for me is at the end of the day, having done six sessions, how tired was I? And felt great. Really? I could have done a seventh. I could have done an eighth. No kidding. And so like, I can't tell you what it was that they did that fixed it. Fixed it's the wrong word, but that helped it. Yeah. But it definitely was like, yeah, I should be more tired than I am. When I was in shape, like track riding shape, I would not feel this good at the end of a session like huh. this. So for me to be this out of shape and feel this way is, is very interesting. Um, And that's a huge part of it. And that's ergonomics. And that's like rider inputs and and user experience and setting up the electronics in clever ways and, and giving you the information. And, and, and so a bunch of small changes essentially, and that's sort of what I've read about this bike. It's mm -hmm. a, a bunch of very small tweaks here and there that have made this bike feel like the Panigale sort of went to the gym for a year, <laughs> lost some weight, had a little personality trait difference and like became a different bike altogether, even though it looks more or less the same than the 21, 2021 that it's replacing. Yeah. Like it's one of those bikes. Like if you've got a Panigale V4 in your garage, there's no reason to get rid of it and get one of these unless you absolutely need to have the latest ingredients. Mm -hmm. But if you're in the market for a super bike, like this is, this is a, a pretty interesting update that should get Ducati back on your radar. And they've done a lot of things like, um, they increased the, the fork travel length. To give it an extra five millimeters and then put a softer spring in it. And that helps with the front end feel. And they're also using a pressurized cartridge with Olin's rather than the traditional uh, unpressurized um, 
version they had before that helps with cavitation so again that's helping with the movement of the suspension to give you know more linear more direct input that again helps the front end feel um you know they're making a lot of changes that are like just really clever like the hmm. bike feels really good it's it feels really sturdy um all the little criticisms that you would have maybe on a previous version of the Panigale v4 i feel like they've really addressed it really really well the dash is laid out you know because i'm such a dash snob they've, the new track evo dash is really smart in how it's laid out like it highlights what electronic is working when it's huh. coming on so you don't have to guess like because before it was just like a light came on You're yeah like, i don't know is that the wheel controls the traction shit's control happening. yeah shit's happening you're like cool and that can like lead you down the wrong road sometimes because sometimes that light is the traction control setting slowing you down and sometimes that's the wheelie control setting slowing you down you don't really know so you start fiddling with one and it's like oh it's not making getting any better i'm like yeah it's because you're fiddling with the wrong one (laughs) now you know so there's some really clever clever shit there that uh you know i think is really good and like i looked at him like i think i said this in my review like this is the best super bike on the market like like you know me i love I love the RSV4. Yeah. Like value buy, yep. base model RSV4 all the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great super bike to put in your garage. You want a great super bike to put in your garage? Yeah, we would not make fun of Go you. Go buy an Aprilia RSV4, RSV4 base yep. model, put some wheels on it, call it good. Yep. You want something more? You get a Panigale V4S. You used to be a, a big fan of the V4R. Has this replaced the V4R for you? Ooh, it's a good question. V4R is just something else. I mean, that's a weapon. That is it's a track just weapon. Else. The thing, here's the thing. Because what the what's the V4S? It's like it's another it's a thirty thousand dollar bike. Right. So it's ten grand less. You're already there. Mm-hmm. If you can afford a thirty thousand dollar bike, you but can that, afford ten, a forty thousand dollar bike. Money. Ten thousand dollars buys you all kinds some, of shit. Not to someone at thirty thousand dollars, though. That's fair. I still shop with a uh, a blue collar man's wallet. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. If you can afford a thirty thousand dollar motorcycle, you can afford a forty thousand. You can afford a fifty. Like you've hit a threshold of like <laughs> price is kind of irrelevant to a point here. Maybe not like super legera. Like you're not like you're not going to go from a Panigale V4S to super legera right. on that. But it's a it's a thirty percent price increase. It's not it's not a ton. That's that's, that's well, a lot. Not a little, but in it's the real world, that's a lot. That's ten thousand dollars. Not a little, but it's not a lot. That could buy you a I don't know a sh- shitty little track truck all i'm saying is it makes the panigale v4r look very affordable that's fair and very practical very different machines though i mean just the way the motors work the bikes work very different machines this one just seems more approachable this has got the electronic suspension this has got uh, obviously a different bunch of ergonomic changes it's got the new dash mm-hmm. um i don't cheater know motor versus the 999 yeah, cheater or motor the, uh, 999 wow well and it's coming v4. to the u.s with less power which is weird um what is the power rating on this new one it's supposed to be more than the one it's replacing which is hilarious because well i don't europe think we ever needed more power in europe it's more in the u.s it's actually going to be less wow because of the epa and regulations and i understand like pretty much every super bike that comes into the u.s is not making the marketing horsepower that you see in, in right and stories and like publicized on websites and that's part of the reason why a lot of the american subsidiaries don't quote a horsepower figure because they don't want you to know that like like um a great example is a honda cbr 1000 double r slash r fireblade sp r r did i, did I, 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 I feel up. like there's like I'm two more sure R's I fucked that up somewhere 
But <laughs> but it's like a 213, what is it? 214 horsepower bike in Europe, right. 180 in the US. That's because of EPA. Same with the BMW, same with all of them. They're all getting hit. They all take a little bit of a hit. So like, you know, like, are you going to miss the three horsepower that the Panigale, 4, Panigale V4 doesn't have in the US trim? No. And you can still put the race exhaust on and get the ECU flash and get the full 234 or whatever it is. Unless horsepower. you're in California. Uh, unless you're in California, in which case you're fucked. That's a whole other issue, though. <laughs> but that's everyone's. Everyone's having that issue. Yeah. Um, be thankful that if you are a California owner, that your bike comes pretty damn close to the quoted horsepower figure and doesn't have weird things done to it like a bm like the bmw can you imagine being a california owner of a oh, bmw man. and being stuck with that oh that just hole in the oh, dynograph that's like, just yeah rude. you can go get it tuned or something but it's it's a, one it's illegal two it's voiding your warranty yep um so you know good luck with that um what else do i want to say about this bike it was fun being out on the track with uh johan zarco and jorge martin that's pretty insane and realizing that like like I didn't have any like pretenses of how good of a motorcyclist I was, but when you get on the track with them and you're like, I am really not shit. They are 20 seconds a lap faster. Dang. And that's like, a, like I was doing like a two minute lap time. I mean, that's just intense. So I watched a video of a uh, video blogger who was there with you. Oh yeah. Al Fagan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's a, and he's a fast rider. He's pretty fast. Yeah. But like, there's one point where Martin just passed him. And it's like, and there he goes. <laughs> there, I mean, it's just, it's, it's stark how much faster they are. Yeah, it's next level shit, man. Like, I get behind someone like Rennie or um, Zach Quartz was on this trip. I got, I was behind him for like a hot second. Like, these are guys that they could be professional. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I mean they're Rennie is fast. a professional motorcycle racer. And, you know, a lot of like Adam Wahid, um, Ari Henning. Uh, even Troy or our buddy Troy. Yep. But this guy's Troy's cute and small. He's adorable. He's yeah, so the adorable. bike likes him. It's on just it. oh, he's so fucking cute. like I want to be a motorcycle when Troy's Whoa, riding. He's, he's got this kind of like weird beard thing going on though. Troy's growing facial hair. I don't know if he's growing it. It could just be paste on. Well, okay, that's probably. But it, maybe it, it was his Halloween let's just, outfit. Let's call it it Does not look good. No, making no. Me. Troy's all about the clean. He looks better clean cut. Troy, yeah. listen, if you're listening. Send me a picture. Let me let me judge this. Yeah. I might text them actually. But like what I was trying to say, like they mm. could all be on a Moto America query. They are a national level uh, rider, mm -hmm. you know, easily. And I can follow those guys for a little bit. They'll lose me after a couple turns, but like I can pick some stuff and be like, oh yeah, you're going in here. Oh, this is where you turn it. Oh, you're breaking way later than I am. Okay. I can learn some shit. <laughs> and I can kind of keep up a little bit because they're it's easier to follow than it is to lead. Zargo and Martin, no. it's a whole nother. You're like, yeah. Senator's like, I didn't, I didn't know a motorcycle could do that. I didn't actually, is that physically possible what they're doing? Yeah. And you're just like, huh. Okay. Like, it's just, it's just such another level. 20 seconds a lap. That's a lot. 20 seconds a lap. 20 seconds. Can it's you imagine if you were in Omra and you got someone by 20 seconds? It's embarrassing. That's insane. Yeah. They're so, on the same motorcycle as you, same tires, same, same everything. Everything. They're on stock Panigale V4s, and you're just like, huh, okay. So that was pretty cool to see. And they're like doing shit, like 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 got their elbow down. They like look behind. They give you like a little like little wave. Yeah, 
You're like, yeah, cool. Pete, I'm trying not to die here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's raining. Last time I was here in the rain, it hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's fun. Um, <laughs> cool experience with them. Super down to earth guys. Fun to hang out with. Um, but, 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 what else to say about this bike? What else to say about this bike, Shaheen? What is your most favorite thing about the bike? <laughs> the dash. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs> I'm such a weirdo with that. You know, when you're riding your bike at 180 miles an hour, you know how you look at the you dash. You know what it is? It is you know, the, thing, the thing that makes that bike, and this is a great example, and I'm going to probably get in trouble with another Italian manufacturer because of this. Like, I love the RSV4. Like, love it. Mm -hmm. Tell me you're going to buy an RSV4. doesn't matter which one. You're going to be happy. Yep. I look at the RSV4 factory, and it's like three grand. What is it? It's 26,000 for the RSV4 mm -hmm. factory 1100. So that's what? four thousand dollars less so understand that delta well and, you understand that delta but the thirty thousand versus forty thousand dollars does make sense to you no no, no no just just take that delta <laughs> in your mind like if there's a four thousand okay, okay, dollar difference okay. here i'm back on board um maybe we could have we could I, I i don't know which bike would be faster around the track but i do know it would be very close and it would probably come down to rider preference okay. and setup those two bikes are going to rail you're going to have a great time on that racetrack the RSV4 factory has a lot of the same shit that the Panigale V4S has. They, mm -hmm. they share the same manufacturer, suppliers, and stuff like that. In a lot of ways, these bikes are very similar. But you put the Aprilia next to the Ducati, and the Ducati has an obvious fit and finish premium touch and feel that Aprilia hasn't figured out yet. Right. And you sit there and you go, yeah, for $4,000, that makes sense. As a famous line once went, aha. Yeah. Yeah. It's like RC4, great bike, great super bike to put in your garage. Ducati is when you want something more. And, that, and that's how it is for me, where it's like, if you want to, I think you actually get something more for, for the money you're spending, I guess is what I'm trying to hmm. say. And that's kind of a weird thing to say about a $30,000 motorcycle, but that's kind of where I left from it. Like, I, I say, like, you know, what I like most about the bike was the dash, but it's really more like, the user interface and the the switch gear and the controls and just how the human interacts with the bike because i think ducati is setting that standard for that right now what a weird thing to say that ducati is now like the standard slash epitome of user interface on a motorcycle because 10 years ago would have been like god dang it man this thing is just like finicky yeah. it's ugh, it's this it's that i think they've spent a lot of time on that i think they've you know the Germans stepped in. There's a little bit of the Germans because definitely there's part of Audi's design team that's helping them with, with right. the graphical interface. But I think there's also a little bit of like, I don't, I don't know if this is for certain or not, but it's a great example. Like Jorge Lorenzo, when he came into the Ducati camp, was like making this big fuss about the fuel tank shape and like Ducati being like, no, just fucking ride the bike. The shape's the shape. Blah, 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 blah. And like, lo and behold, they give him the shape of the tank that he wants and he instantly starts doing well right. instantly starts getting on the podium instantly starts winning races if you win races i don't know for the problem i can't remember to be honest but he got better the results were a stark difference and they were overnight and that was the change hmm. and i think there had to be at least some clue they're like hey like the thing between the ears of the rider is the thing that you are trying to manipulate the most and you have to do it through tangible things that you can touch yeah and the shape of the fuel tank and where the handlebars are and where the footrests are is a big part of that. And like a great example is like, I don't get along with the Yamaha R1. 
and it's not because of my beef with Yamaha, <laughs> which you know would be a great cop out. <laughs> but it, no, it is legitimately like I get on that bike and it feels weird how I sit on it, and I just I feel like I'm a jockey on top of a horse and mm. not like inside this motorcycle. And the stark 180 to that is the Suzuki, which is a bike you really do sit in. And I remember being at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, riding back to back the RSV4 and the Suzuki, and the RSV4 took me like it took me like a session or whatever to kind of like come to terms with it. it's a bike I've ridden before, previous iterations, track I've been at before. Got up to speed pretty quick with it, but I was dragging knee on the third turn with the Suzuki. I was like, this thing feels like a glove. Wow. Like you know, say what you will about the Suzuki, and it's cheap, and you know, it's it's definitely not on par with a lot of the other bikes on the grid. But man, do you get on that bike and feel like you, like they whatever their rider triangle ergonomics are, that's fucking spot on. Hmm. You know, like you feel comfortable, and that's a huge part of it. And that was the same thing with the Kramer. It took me like half a season to get comfortable with the Kramer and to dial that bike into what I needed it to be ergonomically. And then it started clicking. And it's the same thing. Like you know, Ducatis, I think figured that out a little bit more. And that's a very difficult thing to like learn and do. I feel like that's something that just takes practice, practice, practice until For you sure. get it right. For sure. We're on the we're on the essentially the fourth iteration of the Panigale name. Yep. So it's good to, it's good to hear that they're progressing. It's it's fun to watch the the progression of a motorcycle, albeit one of the most expensive bikes on the market. At least be something that you're paying. Like I can see where it's like, no, this is worth the money. And you are not the only uh, journalist who was there that basically said something along the lines of like, no, I'd buy this. Like, yeah. This, this is a good bike. There's a lot of us there. I mean, like, you know, what people say at dinner sometimes is different than what they say in the reviews. But there's a lot of people there being like, wow. Like, you know, if I had to do a straw vote right now, this would probably be the pick. Yeah. You know, save for the day where you have all the bikes on the same track at the same time. But the augers look good. Well, that's cool. I'm excited to see this thing in my showroom. Yeah, no, you're gonna sell a boat ton of these. I think so. They're they're rad. Like, that's what I would buy if I was probably buying a bike. Well, no, I'd, let's be honest, I'm buying a base model RSV4. <laughs> <laughs> but even but that's the thing, the prices on those have gone up. I think a base model RSV4 is like 19k now. Yeah. So you know the days of like you could pick up a base model RSV4 for like 15k and laugh all the way out the door are kind of over. Um. So like, and that's. I think that's the wake up for Aprilia where it's like, you want to play in this game? Like you guys are doing a good job. That bike is iterated well. I don't want to like talk down. Ducati is a step ahead. Yep. And I think all the other brands need to look at that because no one else is at that level. Not even MV. MV's on a whole well, MV's not even making super MV's bikes. MV's on their own planet. They're not even making super bikes anymore. But you know, like the BMW, the Honda, like none of them are are hitting that same those bikes all feel like tools and some of the tools are, are like snap-ons and some of those tools are like crafts, you know, craftsmen. Mm-hmm. The Ducati feels like something else. And that's the difference. And that's, me. I guess it's good that you're, you can at least justify the price on it. That's been some of the hardest parts of, you know, for any brand that's selling a premium thing, if you're going to compare it and go, Hey, I can go buy something for, mm-hmm x amount less than this and have the same experience then it makes it difficult to make that decision that's the thing and that's where i come back you know if we go back a couple shows with the street fighter v2 earlier like what was it a year ago year two years ago Mm -hmm. with the panic v2 
where like you sat there and you looked at the price tag and you look at what you got and you're right. like, yeah, that bike's really good. But there are it's, other options out but there. But it's not that good. Right. It's not that like the, it didn't have the polish. It didn't have that je ne sais quoi. It didn't mm-hmm. have that like refinement, that user touch, that this is something more than just a motorcycle. It was still a tool. It was still that craftsman. Like, hey, right. this is a, this is like a really, this is like the top of the line, not craftsman, snap on. This is like the top of the line snap on. But it's still a tool. Yep. You know, like you look at the switch gear on the V2 models and it's like, yeah, it's nice, but Is it's the not, same brand still. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different. It's not backlit. It doesn't right. have the same touch and feel. It doesn't, they don't have quite the same ease of getting through the menus. Um, the dash is a lot smaller. It's like a four inch dash. It's or a previous kind of guy, dash. It's like the 12 yeah. nine dash. Basically. It's, it's a step behind, right. which was a great dash five years ago. Right. So that's the thing where like the V4 models have really taken this step and the V2 models haven't, but the price across the board has gone up and you're like, okay, so it makes sense for some, it makes sense on the V4 models for me. It doesn't make sense on the V2s. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like in the showroom, we look at the V2 and go, you know, that's actually a phenomenal motorcycle for the money, but that's compared to the other bikes around it. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're in the market for a sport bike and you want to buy a Ducati from us. It's like, well, sub eighteen thousand dollars, you can get a, a lot of motorcycle with a V two. You, you can get a Tuono. You can get a, yeah, you can get a lot of bikes out there. But like when you get into that, you know, specialized, super special, makes your spine tingle, amazing motorcycle. It's crazy how quickly you can get up to that thirty thousand dollar mark. Yeah. The I, I keep getting baffled by how expensive things have gotten, not just in our world, but just in general. You know, yeah and that's the new new right yeah, it's like, just that's, the new new like COVID i'm looking at right cars now. and trucks and it's like dude when did this happen when did things get so unbelievably expensive and it just there's a whole other you know discussion there about the cost of these goods and how to go about getting them like it it just blows my mind that my truck which is just a fucking work truck is forty five, forty six thousand dollars, and some of that's inflation it is. You know, I remember when we were at the uh, Panigale before launch, our press guy kept saying like, well, adjusted for inflation, the 999S was actually, you know, more expensive than the V4S. Right. And you go like, yeah, but the 1098 adjusted for inflation was significantly cheaper. It was like four grand cheaper, oh, yeah. which is probably where this bike should be priced at. Well, I mean, I, I remember when the 1098 came out, the whole idea was that they were trying to sort of compete with the Japanese market oh. and make it a lot more approachable. I remember back then kind of thinking about, holy shit, when did this happen? When did Ducatis become sort of like, quote unquote, common person's motorcycle? Because yeah. now they're approachable by everyone, which is great for the brand. And they sold a fuck ton of bikes then. Yeah. But they clearly lost money because all the price went right back up again pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know about money. They, they definitely got it in volume. You look at the sales, like 1098, 1198 sold significantly better than yeah. anything before it because the price was so cheaper. And right. like, if you go back to that, that analogy, the 999 was one of the most expensive Ducati superbikes when you adjust for inflation and the 1098 was one of the cheapest. Right. So it's like, you know, you're kind of cherry picking which one you want to go for. But, you know, the V4S is kind of in the middle ish not really it's a little more on the higher side but it's it's not unreasonable and like some of that is just inflation like i've been in this job 13 years i remember like i bought my r1 my r1 was like 14 grand out the door yeah. what's what's an what's an r model r1 go for now 
Just well, like, I mean, I guess it would be a standard model. Right? Yeah, if it was it's a standard, it's got to be at least 17, 18 grand. It's got to be. I want to say, I wanna say like 17, 995. Let's see how good I am. Trucker, trucker, trucker. Super sport. R1M. I'm pretty close. 17.6. So $3,600 more. In a matter of 10 years? No, more than that. 15. 15. So, I mean, if you adjust for inflation, it's actually cheaper. It's probably cheaper. Yeah. Way to go, Yamaha. Right? You just gave Yamaha an accolade. Yeah, you do something good. You, nice. get, a, you get something good said about you. Tuning fork. That's, that's my job. You do something good, I say something good about you. You do something <laughs> bad, I say something bad about you. It's not really me doing anything. It's really you doing something. And you're some just, branches have a, harder, it. have a more difficult time understanding that than others. <laughs> Yamaha probably being at the top of that list. Oh, man. So what do you got next? I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Wait, are we not going to talk about the other bike? Oh, oh, you mean like on the show? Yeah. I think like a life. <laughs> I mean, I know you're going to go to bed pretty much as soon as I leave. But. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, Desert X, Ducati Desert X, the bike we've been waiting for like three months to see. Holy moly. It finally shows up. Are you happy? I am. Is it worth the wait? Mostly very happy. Definitely worth the Well, I mean, none of us. Tell, have, me, tell me what makes you happy about it, and then we'll go to what does make um, you happy about the it. The weight, the power, the tech. You like the weight. I do. Really? Yeah, 450 pounds is fair for that bike, I think. 492, sir. With fuel. No, 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 no. Four, <laughs> dry doesn't mean without fuel. Dry means dry. no battery, no oil, no radiator, sometimes Wait, no I thought tires. Ducati didn't do dry. I thought Ducati did curb. No. Well, that 440, that 450, whatever, is yeah, a dry weight. It's or whatever. 492 wet. Hmm. At I'm still the curb. Okay with it. That's still cheap. That's still lighter than my bike. Okay. I'm going to get one. Because uh, that go, for me, like, that was like, nope, too heavy. Too heavy? Too heavy. KTM's 30 pounds lighter. And that's true. 30 true. pounds. 30 pounds is a lot. 30 pounds is a lot. And that's not, a, uh, that's not with the extra fuel can. Yeah. I like the tech. I like what it's offering. I'm okay with the weight just because I'm used to a heavy ass bike. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only thing I'm a little bit meh about is the pricing. Pricing's really high. Yeah. What do we say? We, we, we were we were, we were hoping it would be like 15, 16. This is. I just got blown out of the water. I probably owe you like double. Probably. What, what do we bet? A sandwich? Yeah. I owe you like two sandwiches now. That's okay. The bodega is <laughs> really close. That's really good. <laughs> um, we should go to that barbecue place the guy recommended. I, we will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. I know. Um, I love the design on it. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious to me that MV Augusta did the Lucky Explorer 5.5 and 9.5. And then Ducati straight up made a motorcycle that looked like a Kajiva Elephant 900. Yeah. Like, there is no two ways about it. This is this just They're both fighting over a history right. that they were both, like, sideshow Bob to. Uh-huh. Which is hilarious. I mean, like, like, neither of them raced in the Dakar. Right. Neither of them are Kajiva Elephant. I just like that Ducati on their, on their you know, initial video, the, the, the launch video, like two middle fingers up in Envy's face because their suit that you can buy that matches that bike is a white suit. And the Dakar 900 uh, bike, the Dakar bike, the racer had a white suit on. Yeah. And to me, I was like, oh, this is juicy. Yeah. Like there's a part of me that wants to do the Lucky Explorer design on this bike on my next one. <laughs> just to be like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> you guys no, want to sue me again? It's fascinating to watch them both fight over it. 
Because they both like kind of have a claim to that heritage, right. but both of them really don't. And you said it perfectly. They're both Citro Bops of this. Yeah. Thing. But maybe some people would argue that Ducati was more involved because they were the heart trans, you know, the heart of the thing. I mean, like, so for those, just happened to buy the brand. For those who don't know, Kajiva raced in the Dakar with the Elephant. It had a Ducati air-cooled V-twin mm-hmm. inside that bike. Mm-hmm. At the time, Kajiva owned Ducati and was owned by the Castiglione family. Castiglione sell Ducati to uh, the te- Texas Pacific Group, TPG. And then go on to buy MV Augusta. Uh, MV Augusta um, still owns the Kajiva name to this day. Yep. They're basically saying like, well, it was our family. I mean, now it's owned by the the Russian guy, Timur Sardarov. <laughs> so it's not quite the Castiglio only connection isn't quite there anymore, but still kind of. But like the heritage of it is but there. But the heritage is there. And it's like they own the Kajiva brand still. So right. it's like by like that way like mv kind of has a claim for it because it's like well we own the brand that did it you know our ownership you can draw a direct line of our ownership back to when this bike was racing dakar but the kicker is it's like anytime they show that bike you'll see a little sticker on the side that says ducati so even like even i've even seen some mv press materials where it still has a ducati sticker on it and so like Ducati's like yeah but that's We're our still motor. there. <laughs> but that was our motor. And we've got that motor over here in our museum. Right. And it's just really funny because it's just like, eh, like you're think, not wrong and you're not right. Like and they're both like, right. They're both wrong. And they're all like stones throw away from each other, just having like the little Italian it's, feud over it. They're like throwing pasta at each other. And I think what you should do, if you're a listener and you're not familiar with this bike, look up 1993 Kajiva 900 Elephant Dakar race bike. Yeah. Um, and I'll do that right now. I mean that that thing is straight up. The guy's got a white suit on. The picture that I love is the one. It's like midair. Front of the bike is like lofted way up in the air. In fact, that bike is the reason I did um, the design on my Multistrada Enduro. Yeah, that's funny. That's the thing. It's a it's a very cool bike. I think I'm I'm very excited that Ducati is finally stepping into this thing. I do agree. I do wish it was a little bit lighter, but I think for my personal use, it's going to be fine. Um, it sounds to me like it'll have the whole gamut of electronics. Yes. So that is like okay. Well, I see. You know, Ducati being Ducati, I'm you know wanting to be a premier brand and having the most expensive, coolest bikes out there. It is, I think, the most expensive bike in that category. Is the F900 or yeah, F900 GS, is that one? It's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yeah. Like, I think there's options you can put on it, but I don't think it comes up to the Ducati no, I remember. I don't remember the price now off the top of my head, but I remember looking. The F850 GS F- is, yeah, F850, is a yeah. bit cheaper, uh, heavier, less power. Like, it just doesn't really compare. Like, right. this bike, I feel like the Desert X compares really well to the Husqvarna Norden. Yeah, they're about ten pounds away from each other. Norton's a little bit, a little bit lighter. It's got a little bit more power, but similar electronics. Kind of both. Like both bikes are kind of designed to be kind of like that around the world ride anything yeah. machine. And whereas like the KTM is more focused, I feel on like yeah, you're gonna spend more time like 
doing the nar nar and jumping jumping shit and doing whatever feels more like a dirt bike to me yeah the ktm is more of a tool in this case yeah and then i really think you got to split the category and that the tenere 700 and the turag 660 are kind of in a different category right and the ktm and the nuda or the nuda the norton would you say like the the tiger 900 yeah i look at the tiger 900 and i just think like i mean but it's in that sort of category it's got the 21 inch front wheel and engine size about that much power is about that much because the tiger 900 has like like 45 different flavors but like the one i think is like the xsc or something yeah that's the one with the 21 inch front wheel and the you know spoked wheels and I had a thought about the Tiger 900, and I can't remember what it was. It's English. It's very British. Very British. Like, to me, the Tiger 900, the Norden, this Ducati, and the F850 GS are more or less in the same um, category, in the same sort of file. The Tiger 900 Rally Pro is 17.1. Ooh, it's more money. It's more money less power it's 93 it's 94 horsepower what's that thing weigh and well they're gonna give it to me in a dry weight fine uh 443 dry so let's say comparably so about the same weight probably the same weight probably about 480 490 right and so i kind of sit there and i just look at that and i kind of just go like yeah i'm actually completely surprised that the tiger is more money yeah, the I mean tiger, it's not that much more. The tiger money, for me is a miss, and like I was, I wanted to talk to you today about the Tiger 1200 because that finally came out. Yeah, and I don't know, man. Like it always just feels like Triumph has a really cool bike, but it's like it's like what you were saying about the the RSV4 versus a Panigale. You're not going to have a bad bike with a Tiger or an RSV4, but if you want more, next up. I would love to see Triumph make a bike in a world where BMW didn't exist, so they couldn't copy them during the test. I know because, like, I feel like every, I feel like both Tigers are just trying really hard to be an F eight fifty or an R twelve fifty GS. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I feel like BMW just owns that segment. Period. I mean, they do. I mean, everybody else is. This is like BMW trying to make a fucking cruiser to compete with Harley. But, but. Look at what Ducati makes. Look at what KTM makes. Look at what Honda makes. Right. Look at what Suzuki makes. So do you feel like those, and all, those other bikes differentiate themselves from BMW enough to not? They're all doing their own version of ADV, and yeah. BMW is doing their own version of ADV, and BMW is winning because they they created the segment. That's They've been their there segment. longest. Yep. And then Triumph rocks along, and they're like, they don't really do it in a Triumph way. They're just like, how can we do it like BMW? Well, let's but put a shaft it, drive on this thing. But do it just differently enough that like we're not p- copying them. We'll and that kind of reminds cylinder. me of something else <laughs> that they did recently. Where it's like, hey, how can we do something that someone else has done, but do it just differently enough that like they're not the same? What? But that's my thing. Like you look at a Tiger 1200, it looks, it looks like a GS. It yep. visually looks like a GS. Uh-huh. I'm not, not saying that's a bad thing per se, but like they definitely like i mean i guess if you're gonna copy somebody may as well copy the ones that are at the top of the game copy the top of the game sure um i like the changes to the to the 1200 and i would say the same thing with the 900 it it reminds me a little bit like the multi-strata what's now called the multi-strata v2 Mm -hmm. it's a generation behind in thinking like good on triumph for getting the 1200 to where it is now it's finally on par with everything else in the industry 
at least like on the GS level. Right. Is it on par with the Ducati? No. Is it on par with the KTM? I don't think so. But it's on par with the GS. It's on par with, you know, a lot of the other adventure bikes in the space. It's nothing special. That, that to me, that's the disappointment in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're doing it good now. You weren't doing it so good before. Now you're doing it good. Yeah, I mean, both these bikes are the better version of what they replaced, I think. Yeah, the and that's why. The 900 and the new 1200. And that's why I criticize the, the Desert X with the, with the 492 wet weight. Because it's not that much lighter than the Multistrada V2. Mm-hmm. And that was always the thing that killed me about the Multistrada 950 when it, when it was out. It's like, it's like three pounds lighter than the 1250. And it's like, right. fuck, man. And it makes like 40 less horses. And it's like, I'd rather ride the, the 1250. I, I have to tell you, I am, I am surprised that Ducati has opted to keep the Multistrada, now called the V2, in the roster with the arrival of the Desert X. And that surprises me too. And it would have made more sense if you told me the Desert X was like 30 pounds lighter. Or if the Multistrada V2 came with 17-inch tires. Yes. Like, it doesn't need to be in the same. I don't think it well, needs to be in the 19. same. Side. It's still 19. So it's a little, it's yeah. a little, yeah. But, but yeah, like, you're if right. they made a lighter weight road going, road sport touring bike. And if the 950 had 17s, then that kind of fills the niche of right. where the V4 doesn't have, mm-hmm. or sorry, seven. if it had 17s, then it fills that niche where like, oh, hey, we'd like to have a Multistrada with 17s, but. Yeah, there's some weird stuff. Yeah, that's there. an odd filler bike. I'm wondering if it's on its last leg or something. But um, Desert X, I like it enough that I put my name on one. Okay, that's fair. Um, I am probably already thinking about, you know, because, you know, they've already shown you all the different options, how you can build it. Um, and I'm kind of interested in seeing what this, because for the first time, the thing that we used to always complain about on the Multistrada side, those of us that like to go motor camping, we want extra space to put shit on. Um, and the, with the Multistradas, the rear seats, the one thing BMW always did right, I think, with the GSs, is you could take off the passenger seat and yeah. essentially have like an extra rack there. Yeah. That was never a case with the Multistrada. If you took off the passenger seat, you'd have this like space where there's like electronics. Like a hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with the new Desert X, it looks like you can take the rear seat off and have basically another rack to strap shit to. Or you can get this rally seat that's a one piece. Yeah sort of off-road, you know, very, very cool looking seat. So I am probably going to get the rally seat because I have, you know, when I ride, I move around on the bike. You're going to do the extra fuel tank too? Probably. I'm curious, but it's funny. I say that. And the reason I said probably with a question mark is it's basically like five and a half gallons fuel tank on the primary. And then this is like a 2.1 something gallon tank in the back that pumps fuel to the front when it needs it. Or you have to tell it to. Yeah. Um, Basically your front tank like hits the reserve level and then you pump another two gallons back in to fill right. it back up. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, but this 937 motor is not a thirsty motor. So I'm really curious to see what kind of range that thing has on there because, and, and it's funny, my, my friend and I today were talking about like the Enduro with its almost eight gallon fuel tank. You never really needed it. Like it was nice to have it, but it just added a lot of extra weight on the bike mm-hmm. that you didn't need. And I, I mean, short of in the middle of Baja, we never came across an instance where we're like, oh man, I wish I had another three gallons of fuel on me. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. I, I think the idea of it is pretty cool, but I'm wondering if it's a necessity. But I I don't know if I'm right, but I feel like this is going to be a an option that you can purchase afterwards if you wanted to, especially the way it's sort of Oh yeah, no, totally. It's on like the aftermarket catalog. So there's a part of me that says, I want to buy the bike without that, try it out and see how it is and then see if I want to get the extra fuel tank or not. That's fair. But the race exhaust looks bitching on it. Like it just looks so straight up 1993. 
kind of like you know angles up with the outlet that kind of points backwards yeah it looks uh, the whole bike looks like a throwback but it's thoroughly modern and that makes me happy i love i love me a good like retro modern that works it looks really good it's got a lot of cool stuff on it I, I, i'm really looking forward to riding it i'm a little i think for me the weight is what's going to push me to be like mm, ktm adventure r yeah that would be what i put in my garage i mean eh, we'll see maybe but I think you're right, though. Keep I, think it up th- mind. I think this one, this one goes against the Norden more than the KTM Adventure. It does. I think, I, I think the customer-wise, that's absolutely the yeah. case. Like KTM Adventure is essentially a dirt bike that can handle touring, whereas the Norden can handle touring, but it still do dirt. And this one, same thing. It just has more wind protection. Yeah. If you've ridden those KTMs, the 890, 790R, wind protection is not their forte. I mean, we talked about it with the Street Fighter versus the Multistrada. I get it. Yep. But for a lot of people that like to do the thing that you hate, which is long distance riding, that yeah, makes no, a difference. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I but here's the thing, Jensen Beeler, right? Never ride a motorcycle around the world. Nope, never gonna do it. Nope, not not doesn't sound no, fun. like you will go to Tillamook Forest and ride around, but that's like forty minutes from yeah, here. Not exactly, like, that's exactly. You're not gonna do what I just did and ride exactly to LA and back. Case. It's exactly the use case. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, different structure, different folks. And I love the fact that that's the uh the burden that we have as consumers right now right. like you have all these Ooh, there's great options bikes. there's now. so many options yeah so. i do love this segment and how it's grown yeah i think it's so cool that there's these options from a ten thousand dollar t700 to a seventeen thousand two hundred dollar tiger 900 rally pro i will say this in ducati's defense there's a lot of worry when this bike was being teased on whether or not like Ducati was going to come up with a bike that could actually go do the thing. Uh-huh. And just looking at the spec sheet, looking at how the way it looks, looking at the way it's built, I have some confidence that like they hit that on the head. Like, yeah, me too. You, you want to go do the thing? You want to go ride around the world on it? You want to go to Baja or out in the desert? Or do the Colorado BDR? Do whatever it is. Yeah. This will do it. It'll yep. do it just as good as, as the Husky will, as, as the... Tenere will as, right. as a lot of these bikes will. Like you're never gonna go, Ugh, I wonder. Like you'll just go and do the thing. It's not like a Tenere twelve hundred where you're like, ooh, yeah, I don't know if that's gonna be actually able to Boy, do that. Boy, that tank uh, that just goes through the boulders. Yeah. I mean, I rode one through Moab and it was fine ish. Yeah. But every bike's an adventure bike. Every Jensen. bike's an, like we did run into a guy on a Harley. So, you know, <laughs> he was out there doing the I thing. I love that. Hating life. We're like, did you get lost? Because you are really like You're in the wrong place, sir. How many times have you fallen over today? <laughs> oh God, picking that thing up. So like, I, I I do think like the mission that they set out to do, they achieved. Um, I like that it's got the water cooled motor. I think they ticked a lot of the boxes. Yes. Uh, I'll beat them up on weight and price a little bit, but I like it. Then they like, like I'm jealous that you have your name down for one because I'm. Like if I go ride this bike and I'm really hoping it sounds like we're gonna like do this launch in like Baja or something. Cool. And that's a rad time. I can change my tune. Mm-hmm. I can see my I'm not like I'm not like focused on this yet. Yeah, I mean a lot of things we're talking about is speculative. Especially since like I am looking for a bike like this in my garage. Right. So well, I mean that Africa Twin has been I have I don't think I've seen you as in love with a bike as you've been with the Africa Twin. Love the Africa Twin. Uh, it's too heavy for me to like really go off road with, right? You know, like like, but it's gonna, capable. That's we're the gonna, thing. We're, it's really capable. You and I are going to go dick around with it soon. Yes. Um, and that'll be great. But I am very much like, okay, I want a middleweight adventure bike, and then I want what I really want is KTM to bring in that Super Duke GT. 
<laughs> such a good you bike. Know. Such a great bike. I mean, I, I get the looks are polarizing. I've always said that about those bikes, but it's such a good bike. I can't. Argue. Grins on your face aren't polarizing, Shane. Yep. <laughs> and that's, it's one of those bikes. Like you said, if somebody said, hey, I'm going to go buy a 1290 GT, I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude. Have yeah. fun. So You're that for me is like, sad. I sit there and like, okay, so I can't get that. So then I'm like, I'm looking at a Multistrada V4S or, I mean, if I can get a Pike's Peak on like indefinite loan, maybe maybe that works out well for me. But, you know, there is that like, what would uh, what would you shuffle in there kind of thing? And I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We'll see. That's the thing with this world. It's so funny. Like I, I, I among, and our listeners and you joke around about how often we talk about Ducati. In the motorcycling world, there just aren't an infinite amount of options, right? You have X number of motorcycle builders and they build you know, X number of models in each one of their lineups to try and fill a, a, a need, I guess. And for better or worse, companies like Ducati or Envy or Aprilia make bikes that make us salivate. They, they make bikes that make us dream and want to go and be a part of that dream. Nine out of 10 times, at least in North America, people buy a bike to fill in a fantasy and dream. You know, you'll buy a BMW R1250 GSA so that you can be a, you know, you and McGregor and go travel the world. But the truth of it is you don't have that much time and you're mostly just going to go ride it to a coffee meet and maybe once in a while go do a little adventure ride meet with a couple of local yokels and, you know, do 30, 40 miles and well-paved, you know, gravelly type road or whatever. But that you have it and the opportunities there is now it's in your garage and, you know, you have that freedom now when you buy it, right? But there's only so many options out there. And so we end up, at some point as motorcycle, I can't even call myself a motorcycle journalist. I'm just a podcast co-host. But as a motorcycle journalist, I feel like at some point you're like, fuck, I've been talking about the same brands over and over and over again. Yeah, there's a little Groundhog Day to that. A little bit. Um, and they all keep changing. They all keep getting better. They keep trying. You know, we can say what we want about how Triumph is copying BMW. But at the end of the day, their replacement for the last bike is a better bike than what they, you know, replace it with. Oh, for sure. They right? made a huge step. We can have all the beef with Yamaha for being just jackasses in general, but fuck, man, they came up with that T700 and just blew our heads off. The difference between Yamaha Motor Europe and Yamaha Motor USA. All right. Um, I'll do, I'll do you one here, Shaheen, okay. like, to, to switch it up. Bomoda is working on a Tessie adventure bike. <laughs> And the, the 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 formula here is it sounds like they're taking that supercharged H2 motor. Oh, my God. Keeping it in the hub center steering chassis of oh. some design. And they're just kind of making like a like kind of like a Multistrada rival. Looks like it's going to have 17 inch wheels, but kind of like a Multistrada adventure sport type of machine. Now, that's something new. That is that's a brand we don't talk about new. too much. That's something exciting. <laughs> is it going to cost like $80,000? It'll cost probably like $80,000, but you know, you can't put a price on fun. Well, you can't. It's two jet skis, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I love about Bomona? I think they have a sense of humor. <laughs> they, they, I can tell you from firsthand experience that they do not. <laughs> when you, well, when, you, when you get leaked photos and you publish it, they <laughs> do not have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> this bike is, and I mean this in the most, remember that Yamaha with the center hub steering in like the mid-90s? Oh, oh, oh the one that Parker... Uh, James Parker designed the GT yes. 500 or something like that. Not more than that, but yes, GT something. GT. Okay, this thing looks like that, except with a Kawasaki motor, not a Yamaha motor, 
and likely a price tag that is way more than that. GTS 1000. GTS 1000. Probably a price tag that is way higher than that. Yeah. And the thing is, I liked the GTS because I thought it was wild and wacky and cool. And my my, uh, motorcycle safety foundation instructor in 1996 had one. And I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing bike ever. I actually like this thing a lot. Like, it's a neat design. This is what I would draw as a child for a motorcycle. I, I have a weird hard-on for hub center steering bikes. Because it's cool. It's different. Yeah. No, I, I, like, like I know the Tessie, this, this Bomoda thing is going to be, like, way outside my budget. But this is a bike that gets me excited. Like, oh, something weird. Something different. Something new. Something super if weird. If Bomoda can make the, the fit and finish feel premium which is something hard to do when you're working with kawasaki bits <laughs> no because it's one of those things like just like right. i remember i remember talking to them about it after they verbally castrated me for doing my job um you know we're talking about it like yeah you know like it has this dash and it has this exhaust and it has these lights because those are homologated already uh-huh. and they work with the, the the ecu like you know like we're using the kawasaki engine with a kawasaki ecu the, you know, yeah, we could have built a different exhaust, but then we would have to homologate it and go through that whole process. And we're just Bomoda. We're going to make twenty of these things. I don't so know. So there's how, a little bit of like, like it's going to have a Kawasaki switch gear and a Kawasaki dash, and that's going to be too bad. Yeah, I don't want that on an eighty thousand dollar eighty thousand dollar bike. Um, I do. I, I wonder how close the actual bike will be to this leaked photo. Yeah, but man, that tank's tall. Tank's pretty tall. Reserve judgment until you see it in person. Yeah, yeah. But that tank is tall. I don't. I'm not like it looks it. like if you stood next to it, that tank comes up to my sternum, and I'm six feet tall. It is almost taller than the windscreen. Yeah. So that could be interesting. It is the second highest point of that bike. <laughs> um, and that's always like the thing. Like I, like I think I said this last show, or whatever the Eichmann show was. I I haven't been really vibing on what Bomoda has been doing styling wise. Right. So like we'll see. But I am intrigued. Like hey like. What a cool idea. Like you're yeah. going to have a 200 horsepower adventure sport. You're going to be the king dingling of this segment. And that's rad. Like I love the fact that there's going to be a supercharged adventure sport model. If this guy showed up to a bike night, I would stop everything and go talk to it. Absolutely. I just instant I need to friend. See it. Yep. You're making instant friends. That's, instant friends. That's why you're paying the Bomoda price because yep. you're going to make so many friends. That's like me. Every time I see a Modus, I got to go straight to it and see it. Yeah. I want to hear that V4. I want to see why it's so dangerous. It's a scary bike. Oh, so terrifying, but I love it. The only it bike that. that scares me more is my Street Fighter. I don't know that. Those, those bikes. Ooh, that'd be a hard. I have to flip those, the coin. Those bikes are like, yeah. that's what descent, like, that's how I, I, I make the analogy. Like, the Modus V4 was like my Street Fighter. Where it's like, if you do not respect this motorcycle, it'll murder you. It is going to launch you into space. It will straight up kill you and your family. That is a serious business kind of motorcycle. I think we're going to have to wait a couple of years on this Bomoda. I think this is going to be a 2023 machine. Like maybe we'll see it at Eichma next year, Man. maybe as like a prototype. I would like to see it because it just looks absolutely insanely well. I just like they're coming up with crazy ideas. I do too. And if you're a brand like Bomoto, you're like you're, like, you're gonna sell like if you sell a hundred of these, you're stoked. Yeah, but you know it's the thing I like about brands like Bomoto is like fuck the rule book. There's a rule book. Yeah. You just design something wild and crazy and stupid. You can find a hundred people to buy into your yeah. crazy idea. I mean, that's the thing we used to say before the super, the V4 Superleggera came out. We're like, guys, there is no book on this. This is not a homologated motorcycle. Go fucking crazy on it. Yeah. Like, like, like 
put Gigi in a hotel for like a weekend. Don't let him come out. Just give him a bunch of Prosecco. Yep. And just let him like draw shit. And then see what see what it looks like at the end of the. Uh, what you want to give Gigi is wine. He he operates really well on wine. Is it like a like a little Pinot. He loves wine. Gigi likes wine probably as much as motorcycles. When I'm from, we call that alcoholism. Um, no, that's called being a, uh, a <laughs> Italian. hobbyist. Italian. <laughs> it's called being Italian. Um, but yeah, exactly. Speaking of things that in Europe that don't translate as well, that's a bad transition, but. Third generation KTM 1290 adventure bikes are coming to the US. They're actually coming for the 2022 model year. So the S and the R? They're a year late, but yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Just got pricing. Pricing is 19.5. Pretty good. That's very good. Pretty good. For the S or the R? Both. No chance. Yeah. How do you argue that? Listen, if you want a 160 horsepower 21 inch front wheel, there's your weapon. That bike is bonkers to me. The R? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely batshit crazy, and I love it for that. Uh, that that may be my favorite KTM. Yeah, it's good. They're it's just good. bonkers. My friends got one, and every time I was like, oh, I just love how fucking stupid this bike and, is. And KTM is making good steps on that look and feel, on that user experience, yep. and that thing. Like they're not quite Ducati level, but you look at where they were like five years ago for the money. Made some huge leaps. Yep, for the money, like, five years five. ago it was like a dirt bike. Yes. You're like, oh, yeah, we got this button. You just have that one button. The one button does one everything. Button. <laughs> I still think their user interface is garbage, but. Uh, you know what? You know what I got to play with more? Speaking of things that are garbage, uh, the sidejack navigation. Oh, God. On the Ducati. Why? I have good news on that. I've, I've heard that they're talking about updating it. There's going to be an update in January. I'm breaking. I'm pretty sure I'm I think in trouble right now. But they're going to come out with an update for the Multistrada <sighs> that fixes the sidejack so you don't have to reconnect after you turn the bike off nice which was like a total pain in the ass yep. so you had to like get your phone back out and mm-hmm. reboot the ducati app and mm-hmm. reconnect and finger fuck it and wait is this going what do you know more about this i don't know more. i did like i literally heard through the grapevine about it i know i know i know so many things oh Shane. man is this going to be an update for like previous sidejack owners or is this yeah a, yeah, yeah i think oh, i think all multistrados can get this update oh. and the multistrada v4s will get that thing that the Harley Davidson does when it comes to a stop and the suspension lowers. What? Yeah. No way. All it is is this fucking this little stepper motor doing the That's preload. That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Awesome. So that'll be cool. That'll be super cool. You heard it here first. Nice. Way to break news on Brad Bling, Talk. bling. I just haven't gotten around to writing it for the website. We've <laughs> <laughs> had that news for like uh, a couple weeks. Um, We had... I want to talk about something slightly sad and then kind of go to a positive note from it. Okay. Uh, um, we had a dear friend of ours in the motorcycle community here pass away. He succumbed to cancer. Um, I don't know if you know Dave Weibel. No. So he's a local old school motorcyclist. A lot of people know him here for 20, 30 years. Uh, he was in his mid fifties uh, and passed away a couple of nights ago. And he was a regular at our shop, even though not a Ducati fan. He's a Kawasaki fanboy, huh. hardcore, like ZX-7. Was he colorblind and like couldn't tell the difference between just, the green and the red bikes? Just wandered them, in. I mean, so the reason he used to come to us is because he liked buying gear from us, and you know, just okay. like the general feel of being at Motocorsa. As, he, as one would. He he did finally buy a Panigale last year, and a lot of us kind of like shit our pants collectively, like holy fuck, he just bought a Panigale. He had sworn off Ducati from day one, hmm. like I will never buy one of these pieces of shit, et cetera, et cetera. But he bought one, loved it. Um, 
and he wrote it a lot. We we loved seeing him writing, writing this thing because it was like, holy shit, I cannot believe I live in a world where Kawasaki fanboy, like super fanboy, is writing a Panigale. It's so cool. Um, so unfortunately, we lost him, and that really, really sucked. But it really brought on a thought to me this morning as I was talking to my crew about it. And I wanted to kind of repeat it on here for those of the listener, the listeners that we have that are in the industry. We have this crazy cool privilege in being sort of an escape for a lot of people. And that's what we were for Dave, because even when he was going through the worst times in his life health-wise, he would still come to our shop and hang out because we had this cool, we do, we have this really cool kind of clubhouse feel and we want to feel welcome. We're very inclusive. We're very friendly. And a lot of people have that experience at their local motorcycle dealerships. And they might complain about one thing or another about that shop, but that's still their escape. And as someone that facilitates that, I feel super duper privileged about it. And so the positive thought I have about this is the the ability that we have to touch these people's lives that come to our lives and and get to be a part of their lives, even in small increments of them just visiting us once a month or whatever. And it's so cool to be a part of that. And I hope that other dealerships and other people that are in this business in general take note of that. I think it's really, really important not to forget it because it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers and the business aspect of it. And, you know, this is a cool dash or this is a lot of money or this is less money. And we sometimes it's easy to forget the connection part of the whole motorcycling thing that is fairly important in the grand scheme of things because we get to talk about the thing and we get to connect about it and create new friendships. And I mean, I've said it for 20 some odd years now, probably 99% of my closest friends that I've made in the last 20 years are because of motorcycles, right? And so to be able to have this in our life and just to have this little uh, connection once in a while is so important and so paramount and it's something never to let go of and forget because as a dealership, especially, that's what runs your dealership mm-hmm. are these these relationships that we build. doesn't matter what you sell. It could be a Husky, a Ducati, a Honda, a Harley, whatever the fuck. But that connection is what matters most because that person that comes into your shop gets to escape whatever the fuck reality is going on, whether it's bills, not bills, but like work deadlines or family woes or whatever it is, or health in this case, and get to come to you and just talk about their favorite thing, which is the thing you and I get to talk about once a week. Totally. So I just want to put that out there. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry and extremely sad that we lost a very good friend, but uh, grateful and privileged to have been a part of his life. Yeah. I think that's, that's what motorcycles is for a lot of people, is that escape from the world. And that's, I, I never understood surfing, like going out and doing it. Like for, for some reason, surfing came very easily for me right i I, I hear from other people that it's hard to do you just did it not for me i got up the first time i was like that's what the fuss is (laughs) but like when i listen to friends that talk about surfing and they talk about like the ocean and the moment and all that stuff like i can connect with them on the same level that motorcycling is the same for me right where it's it's an activity that requires you to live in that moment can't live in the past can't live in the future you have to be focused on what's happening in front of you right then and there because it's coming at you at 100 miles an hour and it's a very cathartic thing because you have to clear everything outside of your mind you have to be present like this is what fucking buddhist monks like spend like their lives trying to achieve like (laughs) right you just told them they could just go buy a fucking multi-strata and they'd they'd have it they'd be like fuck yeah there's your zen moment there's your thirty thousand dollars motorcycle (laughs) yeah um but that's that's like the thing i think that's what a lot of motorcyclists ride for is that like when I'm on my bike, I'm not thinking about the wife, the kids, the job, the mortgage, the 
deadlines, the whatever bullshit, what was on the news today, blah, 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 talking heads. Just here. It's just me. It's the bike and what's happening in front of me. And that clears, clears it all out. The now is very important on a motorcycle. You have to be there. Yeah. You can't escape the now on a motorcycle and the now allows you to escape whatever's behind you. Yeah. And I think once you realize that, then you tap into that, like, like what you were saying, like your customers where it's like, like this is, this was his escape from, from cancer probably, Mm -hmm. you know, like thinking about the chemo, thinking about the surgeries, thinking about whatever. It's like, no, I'm just gonna go ride my bike because I'm not, I'm not a cancer patient when I'm on my bike. I'm a motorcyclist and I have to live in the moment as a motorcyclist and nothing else. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I just, I, I, and it's, like I said, it gets really easy in, in our grind because when those of us that are in the industry and in, in the business sense, we forget that people come to us for that escape because we're neck deep in it all the time. And uh, today's sad news was a good reminder to kind of reset a little bit. And I just wanted to kind of announce that to ho- whoever's listening, just to remind you that what we're doing, although is not curing cancer it definitely helps put a smile on you know and on a lot of people's face which is super duper important to me so go buy that thirty thousand dollar bike fuck it <laughs> i was going to talk about the harley davidson live wire ipo but i think we'll just uh save that for next time because i don't know how you follow that one up i don't either um i do know that we had a bunch of anr pro signups and there's yeah, a did. bunch of a bunch of people that I, I feel like get the whole concept of of living in the moment and the value of motorcycles and all that stuff because I got some really interesting emails. A lot of people emailing me about the reviews I did for the Street Fighter and the Panigale and mm. that's why they signed up and I thought that was really cool, especially since like those were like five thousand words each. The, they were pretty mighty. I enjoyed reading them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I got a lot of shout outs. So uh, first one up is Graham. Graham came by and visited Motocorsa. Oh. Uh, and the exact quote I got was five stars would wrap again. Nice. So high five, Graham. Thank you. Good, good Motocorsa experience. There. Good job, motor, uh, my Corsa crew. Yeah. Uh, we have Brett. Brett's a 29 year old hipster who rides a 68 Triumph. Fuck yeah. He's got a YouTube channel. Um, I don't know how you're going to find it. Like searching YouTube, Bart Motorcycle. His name is Bart, but I don't think he has like a URL yet because he's, he's, He's still working on the subscribers, so maybe we can help help him get the subscriber count. Bart Motorcycle? Yeah. And his channel is just called Bart, B-A-R-T. I found it. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Bart. Yeah. Next one is Aaron. Uh, he races AFM with another one of our listeners, Sebastian. Nice. And um, that's how he got turned on to the uh, podcast, but he said that we need to be nicer to Troy. Troy? Troy. We're the nicest to We're Troy. We're super nice to Troy. I love Troy. Troy is like a medium okay in my book. Troy is like at least twice that in my book. Like a medium okay okay. Okay. Like a medium medium okay like a, or like a, a, like medium a medium okay, rare okay. okay. Like okay. my favorite cut of steak. Okay. I love Troy. He's all right. Not facial hair though. Yeah, he's got a, I still haven't seen it, but I like Troy clean shaven. Clean shaven, sure. Yeah. It's like. COVID happened. In you fact, if anyone's not nice to Troy, I'll probably personally, physically have an altercation with them. My my girlfriend's kids and his kids are like future BFFs. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Are they going to put them all on like little tiny bikes and have them race they're, each other? Yeah, they're dorms. That's amazing. Uh, Pete. Pete didn't really 
want a shout out, but Pete's getting a shout out anyways. Getting one anyways, Pete. Thanks, Take Pete. Uh, Peter. Elkins. Elkins was asking about Tuono or Street Fighter V2. And, well, I, think, and I think I cost you a sale because I was like, dude, Tuono all day long. Yeah, that's a hard one, man. But the secret answer is Super Duke. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're between those two bikes, the question is, I guess maybe like, which engine do you like better? Talking about what? Tuono, or Tuono versus Street Fighter V2. Tuono is such a good bike. Oh, it is. But like, if you're a twin fan, because that, that, that buttery V4 that the Tuono has the is not a twin. Is, but the thing with Super Quadro is like, it's a twin trying to be like an inline four. It like, is. It's like, it's like, like a, the it's Super Quadro is not a Testostrata, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, it's so revvy. It's so peaky. Right. Like, even in the Street Fighter, like, they try to move that, that curve, but it, and it, it's okay. Like, I didn't hate on it. Like, do you, you don't want feel like it falls a, on its face? Do you want cruise control or not? Because I think this is going to definitely answer that question. Do you want like 180 horsepower or 150 or mm-hmm. whatever it is? I don't know. I feel like the Tuono is like the obvious buy in that category. For $1,000 less, you get everything more. I can't argue with it. Yeah. That, that, that to me is the problem with the Street Fighter V2. I think we asked this question before though. Is there an Aprilia representative in the area you live That's in? That's Okay. God damn it. I hate that that's a question. I, I Come on, Aprilia. Get on the game. More dealerships out there. I have some... I don't have news per se, but I feel like things are going to change soon for that. All right. Hopefully in the best TBD. Way. All right. TBD. Uh, next up was Will. PDX Local. Says he went to the bodega. Does not suck. Um, he said he, the pro membership is worth the food recommendations. Um, he did tell us that we got to try out a... Um, Barbecue, barbecue place. place. Yeah. Food truck on... Dude, it's like right by my it's house. right by my house. Closer to my house. No, no, no. It's closer to my house. Yeah, I guess it is closer to your house. It's like just up the street. It's like a mile away. Not even a mile. It's, like, it's just up 52nd. It's like 20 blocks from my house. All right, fine. It's closer to you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> like we're arguing over like 10 feet. Yeah, like we are. If it's close to my house, it's close to your house. <laughs> it's a neighbor. Distant, Howdy, neighbor. Howdy, neighbor. Won't you be uh, my neighbor? No, I'm excited to try that. BBK. Uh, he says he's, he's a Texan yeah. living in Portland, and that comes with recommendations. So I feel like that bodes well. It's called Best Texas Barbecue in Portland. I'm going to yeah, try that one. Because I've been going. I've and been he's get, from Texas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I've been going to Botto and Matt's. Those are my two Texas barbecues here. I've been going to, it's not Texan barbecue, but it's it's more like Carolina barbecue. Um, Reverends. Oh, really? They're pretty good. Mm. They're pretty good. I'm not going to talk shit. It's pretty good. It's expensive, though. I mean, barbecue it's is definitely, not cheap. It's definitely like hipster food. Yeah. Um, big fan of Matt's. Big fan of Botto. Uh-huh. I'm curious to see what this uh, best Texas barbecue is like. Let's do it. I'm going to try it. And do it. Will says so. I'm going to try it. Thanks, Will. Uh, Thomas. Thomas says, give me a free podcast. Here you go, Thomas. Here you go, Thomas. This is just thanks, for you. Thanks for we signing We dedicate up. this one to you. I hope your liver is okay. Uh, last up was Dave. He's an AFM armor racer living in Spain. Just signed up to get a Multistrada V4 Pikes Peak. Nice. So very curious to hear our thoughts on I wonder that. where in Spain he is and who he's picking it up from. My mm-hmm. buddy Jose runs Ducati Madrid. And that is a that is a lovely store. We stopped by the Ducati shop in Harath huh. and did not have a very good Ducati experience. Really? Yeah, it was funny. It was uh it was all of uh it was like five journalists and a couple of Ducati employees, and we just like rocked up. 
We spent maybe half an hour in that Ducati showroom and not a single person came and talked to us. I had the same experience in uh, in Barcelona yeah. and Valencia. Maybe that's just the Spanish thing. No, but that's the thing. Ducati Madrid, they're like super duper fun. So um, I think I'm caught up on all my A&R Pro shout outs. If I have missed your name, I apologize. It's been hectic. Send me an email. I will get to you. Here's the thing. If you were going to send him an email because he has... Okay, I'm editing that out. You can send that email to webraptalk at gmail.com. Go fuck yourself, Shaheen. <laughs> no, no, no. This is and a, fuck today, you, today, Jake's Today's Jake's day. Don't, 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 don't loop me in. <laughs> <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Go Fuck Yourself, Jake. <laughs> Poor Jake's just sitting there and he's like, ears just itching like, what the fuck, man? Staying They're getting wet with you. <laughs> yeah, it felt like he wasn't freezing his ass off. He wasn't sitting in a car staring at you like, ha you loser. <laughs> oh, no, he's super cool. We had a good time. Jake Zemke, you're a goddamn gentleman. Um, well, as usual, send us emails. Send me more pictures. I like all the pictures and all the words. We got a lot of emails back for the biker slash game. Uh, Strata, I guess. Yeah. Um, Myers Briggs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the motorcycling one. Um, very interesting. That's kind of all over the place. Yeah, we don't have like a style of listener. No, so I like that. I like that we have these all these different types of people. Um, I do appreciate all the dad jokes. Keep them coming. We brap talk at gmail dot com. Um, I do love that when those those are. I can tell they're going to be dad jokes because it says on the like first word is hi Shaheen, not hi Johnson. Nope, they know their audience. They know. They know better. That's right. <laughs> Papa don't like. <laughs> you, like um, you like getting podcasts every week? Listen. Send those listen. to Shane, not me. <laughs> Shane's the one with the weird fetish for dad jokes. Who do you think edits this thing? Uh, not me. Mm. Uh, anyways, we wrap talk at gmail.com. Send me your best dad joke. Keep sending those photos in. Don't forget about the rules of threes. Most people are doing good. Proud I, of you. No, there's some epic photos. I really haven't had to edit any of these photos. They come to us looking yeah. good. Diego's was today. That Diego's looked, looked was awesome. tasty. Looks good. Getting after it, my got son. That, got that triumph on its yeah. side. Well done, Diego. High five, buddy. And we got some we got some guys that are ripping and tearing. Ripping and the tearing. Um, yeah. We'll do, what is today? 17th. I think we got one more show for the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. We're going we're gonna to record again next week. Yeah. Like on the 20 second or something yeah next show out got one more show this week hell yeah so no happy new year's yet but you know happy holidays yeah if we don't talk to you i mean well hawk already happened yeah christmas is coming up kwanzaa i don't know when that is i don't either it's probably on my calendar somewhere i don't know listen wherever you are boxing day boxing day is after christmas wait does canada even exist i mean we do have canadian listeners we do yeah and they're lovely nice people yeah much kinder than i am yeah I could learn a thing or two. You could, we could definitely learn a thing or two from our brothers and sisters to the north. I, yeah. On that <laughs> note, <laughs> safety third. Make good choices. Get your maple syrup. Get your maple syrup, eh? Eh? Eh. Good talk. See you good talk. There. Bye. Bye. Hey, oh, 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 we're going, we're going to Enigma. I think we already did that for one of them. I think that's did like we turn recently. To innocence? I think we did. I think we did use that one already. Yeah.